At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson, with my co-host here, Christopher Klein. Uriah, our producer, could not be with us tonight, but that's okay. This is a special edition of our podcast, midweek edition, because guess what? It's the night of the draft, and the Sixers just blew the NBA's mind with two major trades and a really nice, a couple of nice picks, too, so far. Uh, the draft is still going on. Sixers just selected Isaiah Joe with the 49th pick, but we'll get to that in a second, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Really excited to get into these moves. A lot of a lot of good stuff happening. Dale Morey really putting his imprint on the team right away, and I think in a very positive positive manner. So we'll we'll jump in. Uh, Lucas, what's been your biggest takeaway from draft night as a whole so far? So anybody's mock draft was pointless because there were some major they major, always are frankly yeah yeah there were some major upsets i think the first big one that i saw two in the lottery that i was just like mine well, actually three first one was that the chicago bulls got patrick williams with number four he's very raw talented you know physical specimen but very raw has uh, not a good shooter right now has a low floor too so you know that it's kind of a risk there for mark eversley former Sixers front office exec now GM of the Chicago Bulls. That was a big shocker. And then probably the other big one, uh, the second big one was Jalen Smith going number 10 to the Suns. Wow. Okay. That was surprising. Did not see that coming. I thought, I didn't think he'd get, I think the highest he could have gone was to the Celtics at uh, 14, but, you know, he won number 10. Kind of surprising there, but I guess because they they could lose Aaron Baines in free agency, why not, right? And then the last one was Tyrese Halliburton going number twelve to Sacramento. That was kind of like I get he was the best player on the board, but I I don't know if him a uh, backcourt of him and Buddy Heel and and De'Aaron Fox work unless they they're willing to trade Buddy Heel. But I don't know now because we don't know what's going to happen to Bogdan Bogdanovich because that uh, Milwaukee trade fell through. Um, besides that, uh, Chris talked about it right before we got on the podcast. Nico Mannion was one pick away from possibly being able to be selected by the Sixers at 49. Um, and that's all the stuff that I'm going to say right now. Chris, you got any other ones? 
Yeah, no, I think my takeaways are pretty similar and just that it was a pretty wild night all around. I, I, I didn't have Patrick Williams ranked number four on my board or anything, but I do like to pick just in the sense that this draft doesn't have a ton of surefire superstars at the top. There's no Zion. There's no Luka. There's no even like DeAndre Ayton. This is a class when it comes to like the first handful of picks. So if Patrick Williams was Chicago's guy, they really bought his upside as, as a creator on the wing, as a scorer, as a defender. Uh, I mean, I, I like them going for it. I am a little bit remorseful because when I first filed my, my mock draft for a draft guy that I've been updating, I had Patrick Williams at four to Chicago because I was reading all the hype about how he's moving up boards, about how Chicago might be interested. But uh, I let I let the ESPNs and, and the ringers of the world talk me back into putting Denny Avdia here, there. Uh, it ended up being Avdia who fell a little bit to nine in Washington, which surprised me quite a bit. I think he's going to do really great there next to Bradley Beal and John Wall, who who is, as of right now, supposed to be healthy. And, yeah, I think Halliburton falling to 12 was surprising to me, too. He's the number three prospect on my board, the number two on your board, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I think, obviously, at that point, you go best player available. And I think he fits quite well next to De'Aaron Fox. Frankly, if I'm Sacramento, like I'm not terribly worried about Buddy Hill at this point. I don't think he's really part of their their future. Um, I mean, he came off the bench towards the end of last year. There's a very good chance that Halliburton just ends up being a better player. And, you know, he's one of the smartest players out there, just a genius-level playmaker, can shoot the ball at a really high level spotting up, which should work perfectly fine next to De'Aaron Fox. He's 6'5", long wingspan, can guard the two. So I, I think it's actually a really good fit, and I think he's going to have a really bright future there, especially with Bogdanovich probably leaving in free agency, it seems. So mm-hmm. I, I, I really like that for Sacramento. I'm just surprised he got there. And, yeah, we're, we're going to move in now to what the Sixers did, Lucas. So why don't you take that away? So before the draft, to every Sixers fan's delight, Al Horford. Yes is finally not a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers agreed in principle to a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who has probably a Sam Hinkie's worth of picks now, but instead of second-round picks, they have first-round picks worth of it. What is it, like 17 now? 17 before the draft started? Something like that. Yeah, like 17 over the next six years or something. So this, this trade could actually end up being a three-way trade, uh, from what I've read, depending on how the money works and how mm-hmm. logistics play out. But basically, the Sixers will get Danny Green, who was agreed to be traded from the Lakers to the Thunder for Dennis Schroeder, Terrence Ferguson, and then the Sixers sent the 36th pick to... Um, no, the 34th pick, correct? Yes, yes. the 34th pick to um, Oklahoma City. So, was Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson, Chris, the best compensation that Philly could have gotten for Al Horford? Yeah, and I think it's important to note that the Sixers also did send the 2025 first-round pick, which I believe protected one through six, which Mm -hmm. which could come back to bite them. But at the end of the day, you know, Horford's contract was genuinely one of the worst in basketball. And could mm-hmm. they have gotten a better player than Danny Green? Maybe, but it would have taken a whole lot more to move off of him. Like, if they mm-hmm. really wanted Zach Levine or even Buddy Heald, it would have taken more than just one first-round pick to get off of mm-hmm. Horford's contract. 
So is this about as well as they could have hoped to do? For sure. Because Danny Green is, is not a scrub, and he's on an mm. expiring contract. So that mm-hmm. frees up a whole lot financially. Ferguson's a flyer. I don't really think he's going to do much of anything at this point. But, you know, he's 22. He's an elite athlete, former five-star recruit, former first-round pick. Maybe you, you strike gold there. You never know. But really, Danny Green's going to be a starter on this team, assuming he sticks around and doesn't get traded again. And he's going to do a lot of good things for Philly. He's a great defender, joins a number of great defenders on this roster. And he's a really solid spot-up shooter, and he has a quick trigger. He's a very confident shooter, and that's what Philly needs more than anything. So, I mean, Al's time here was obviously very tumultuous. I, I know a lot of fans are very happy to see him go. Um, I, I do sort of feel bad for him in a sense because I, I feel like he's gotten a lot of crap that isn't entirely his fault. Like, he played poorly, but the fit wasn't great in, like, I, I think he was maybe criticized in ways that were, were unfair to him. But he's going to go to OKC now. He's probably stuck there for a while on a rebuilding team, which is an unfortunate way for him to kind of enter the tail end of his career because of all that he's accomplished. Uh, but, yeah, from Philly's perspective, it's a great trade. I, I really like Danny Green quite a bit. And it, just a great first trade for Daryl Morey. Pretty pretty great way to start your tenure as president of basketball operations. So I, I want to add on. So I read, I think it was Rich Hoffman of The Athletic that's, that tweeted it. But I believe the protections, if it doesn't convert in 2025, it turns to top four protected in 2026 and 27. And then if it doesn't convert, no, just 26. And then if it doesn't convert in 26, it turns into a second round pick in 2027. Yes. So most likely it's going to convert the first year because I don't mm-hmm. see the Sixers going through, especially with how the team's constructed now. I just I think this, the future is much brighter now. Um, yeah. That being said, I like Danny Green for all the reasons that you said he's going to be solid. He had one what one bad game in the NBA Finals, but overall he's still one of the. He was the first prototypical three and D guy. He was the the guy the coin the term was coined after. So he's going to be just fine in Philly. He's not going to be probably the high-volume three-point shooter that he used to be because he's getting a little bit older. But like you said, he's going to be a starter. He's going to space the floor. He's confident in his shot. He's going to defend, even though he might have lost like a half-step last year. But I'm not worried about that. He's still like a, even a full-step loss. He's still a good defender in this league. So I'm not worried about mm-hmm. it. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, I'm a little bit higher on Ferguson because I saw what he could do his second year, the potential there. You look at his shooting percentages, they, they were above league average in three-point shooting. Long, athletic, strong wing type of guy that could just, you know, with the right player development, could really flourish. I think what happened to him last season is just that they had too many young wings, and he just got lost in the shuffle. Lou Dort really was a surprise uh, that really kind of took over. And same dude, I can forget the other guy's name. It's like... Hamu Abdullah, I think. Uh, maybe I'm Hamadou Yes, thank you. See, I butchered it. Guys, I'm uh, listeners, you all know this by now. I butcher names. I apologize. That being said, uh, I think Ferguson is a steal here, and I think it's one of those Daryl Morey moves that you're going 
get player, you know, he's going to get fringe players or players that aren't valued and then turn them into really good players on this team. I could see him kind of turning into possibly if he can get a shot right. Maybe not the microwave that Gerald Green was, but like a similar type of high flyer and transition. I think I can see him being very good with, with Ben in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's just how I see it. But I yeah. think, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I, Ferguson is obviously a great athlete. I I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But just skill wise, he, he he hasn't had more than like one season of half decent shooting at this point. I mean with what Philly needs and what we've seen out of him in OKC, it's not like he's going to be unburied in the wing rotation in Philly. He's still going to be behind guys like Shake and Furkan and Matisse. So that, those are three perimeter players right away who are going to be ahead of him on the bench. And, and then, you know, even like Zaire could probably, probably is still worth more in terms of the Sixers investment than, than he is. It's probably still a more important piece. So, I really don't think Ferguson has much of a future here. I could always be wrong. We'll, we'll wait and see. But I, I think he was really more just salary filler to make the, the trade work because mm-hmm. they couldn't do Horford for Green straight up. But but he, he's definitely an interesting case study, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, you want to go ahead and transition us to who the Sixers selected with the 21st pick? Yeah, so Philadelphia, despite trading Al Horford and despite making other moves did keep their first round pick it did not go to Isaiah Joe who was rumored to be to have a promise and many speculated might be going as high as that pick but it went to Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky who fell a little bit further than I think a lot of people expected I think I had him going to Miami on my mock but most mocks had him even higher than that. I really didn't expect him to be available to Philly at 21, frankly. But were you surprised that he was available, Lucas? And what were your, your thoughts on the pick? So on a roundtable mock draft podcast, I had him. I had Phoenix getting him at 10. So to say that I was surprised that he fell to the Sixers at 21 is, yeah, I, I was surprised. I don't. I didn't think he would get past somebody like maybe um Brooklyn at 19 or you know Miami at 20 you know I think well no I think Miami was going to go for a big I just thought it was going to be Jalen Smith not Precious oh gosh Chris how do you say his last name Precious Precious (laughs) I don't know we're just going to call him Precious so anyway but no I I, yeah I think the Sixers got a steal here because I think he was a borderline lottery talent to be honest with you depending on which mock draft you looked at? I I saw him. What most most mock drafts going between like seventeen mm-hmm. and uh, 14, 13? Yeah, right in that range. I, I had him fifteen on my board. I think teams like Brooklyn and Miami uh, made made a lot of sense for him. Mm-hmm. But I I think he makes a lot of sense in Philly too, and I think the Sixers should be glad that he fell. I'm somewhat sad that Tyrell Terry didn't end up a sixer, but Maxie's a great comparable prospect. Not nearly the shooter that Terry is, but he's a great scorer, can make some tough shots. I don't think he's going to be a bad shooter. I think he's a much better shooter than his three-point percentage at Kentucky would suggest. And he's just a hard-nosed dude. He competes hard. He defends exceptionally well. 
at the point guard and the shooting guard spots. He's going to do a lot of things that Doc Rivers values, and he's going to do a lot of things that the Sixers need. And, and there are other avenues to add shooters. Again, like we're going to talk about Isaiah Joe later. He was the 49th pick. That's one heck of a shooter right there. You have free agency coming up, guys like DJ Augustine, Kyle Korver, who we've talked about in the past. There are other avenues to get three-point shooters on the roster. So if you think Maxi is the best player available, which a lot of people did, rightfully so, you take him. Because he is a guard, and he does give you a level of shot creation that you didn't have prior. And I think he's someone who can crack the rotation next season. So I think it was a great pick. Yeah, I think, you know, my my initial reaction was Tyrell Terry as well. I think we both would have preferred him, especially with Cole Anthony being off the board. That being said, you're right. I think he was the best talent. You look at how he plays. He attacks the rim at a high level. He has a nice mid-range shot. High uh, free throw percentage, which is, you know, much better telling of if you're going to be a good three-point shooter in the NBA versus, you know. So I think his three-point shooting will come along nice and slowly. I think I think he'll um, come off the bench to start with. You know, maybe he can come in. But for now, um, I think he was the best option in terms of overall raw talent. Was he the best fit? Maybe not initially, but in time, if assuming that three-point shot comes along, he could very well be a starter right next to Ben and Joel, and he can run the pick and roll. So if he can run that pick and roll, then we can then Philly can slide Ben down to the power forward and have really a nice two man game with them. And even when he Tyra, uh, Ty, I mean Maxi comes off the bench this season, I can see that happening too. So you yeah. know, I think. So go ahead. Yeah, no, and, and you mentioned earlier that the Sixers still really don't have anyone who is comfortable running that pick and roll a lot. I think we'll see more of it from Tobias. I think we'll see Seth Curry running some of those actions with Joe and Ben. But Maxie's one of those guys. And, and more than just shooting, the Sixers need quick decision makers, decisive mm-hmm. scorers, guys who can get dribble penetration, move the ball, and who just know what to do when they, they have to put the ball on the floor. Maxie does. So even if he's not a great shooter, which he isn't, he, as long as he isn't a bad shooter, I think he's going to do more than enough to earn his keep. On the floor, I think he's perfectly capable of hitting open threes when they bring doubles on Joe or on Ben. So I, I, I think it's going to be a really productive partnership for Philly and, and Maxi. Yeah, I, I can see that too. And another thing is Maxi's great in transition, and he can play on and off the ball, which is good for Ben, obviously. Mm-hmm. That being said, do you, I mean, we talked about his fit with Ben. Do you think him and Joel will have some good chemistry? Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously too early to tell, but I, I don't see why not. And again, he's just, by all indications, a really high-character kid. Um, I, I was very touched by his interview after the pick. He, he was obviously very emotional, and it, it, it made me, it, it, it touched me. So I'm, I'm very happy to have him. I think he's going to be, he's a fun player to watch. He, again, he just competes super hard, and he's someone that's easy to cheer for, which is pretty much all you need in Philadelphia to, to earn a pretty big following. So I think he'll be someone that the fans love. I think he'll be someone that teammates and coaches love. And he he's more than good enough to be the 21st pick in, in this draft. So uh, I think it was a huge win for, for Philadelphia. Yeah, and just one last thing. What do you think his ceiling is as a player? What, what do, you, do you think he's an all starter, all-star, 
What do you, what do you think his ceiling is? Uh, I mean, ceiling, like absolute ceiling. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he he could probably be an all star. I don't think he'll get there. I don't think he's gonna get the reps in Philadelphia at least to produce at that level. But he has the shot making talent. He has the confidence. He has the work ethic and the motor to be a really good player in the league. I think he's going to work his tail off. So if we're talking absolute ceiling, you know, it's possible for him to be an all-star caliber player. That doesn't mean I'm predicting that he will become one, but I, I do think that, the, like, in terms of his floor, it, it, he's he's going to be a contributor in the league. I think he's going to mm-hmm. carve out a role, and I think he's going to stick around for a while. So I'm I'm excited to see what he does. I think he's definitely. I think his his floor once he develops a little bit more because he's young, but I see him definitely as a starter in this league and at his absolute ceiling. Like you said, I I can definitely see him as a as an all star. I think if you know if he can assert himself as like because Ben's not a scorer, we know this, so he could become that second scorer, especially if Tobias either gets traded or drops off, which you know we hope. Definitely not the second one. Um, you know, I think it's totally possible for him to be that. That being said, um, you know, like you said, I think he's probably more of like a 15, 16 uh, point per night guy with maybe like five or six assists. Not bad, but, you know, not what you not an all star either. But, yeah, I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. Yeah, I, I think that's all accurate. And just quick update the Sixers have picked Paul Reed out of DePaul with the 58th pick I haven't read any reports yet so I don't know if that pick is getting traded or anything but as of right now it's it's Paul Reed is number 58 so we'll talk about him towards the end of this podcast but I believe we have a, another trade here to talk about Lucas if you want to yes that off. yes I'm very excited about this trade um but I uh, so but, uh, so obviously we talked about him a little bit in, in the previous sections of this podcast. It's Seth Curry, you know, only the uh, younger brother of the best shooter, one of the best shooters in NBA history. And honestly, if Seth had more reps, he might be up there with his brother. I mean, he's not the ball handler or like big shot maker, but he he has a very good three point percentage. And Seth is basically younger J.J. Redick without the hand. Well, maybe even without, I don't know, maybe without the, the veteran clutchness. I don't know. It's a very good steal. Sixers traded Seth Curry, got Seth Curry for Josh Richardson and the 36th pick, which is, uh, yeah, no, that's a good uh, trade for Philly. So, Chris, uh, let me ask you, was it a good deal in your opinion? Yeah, we, we talked about this before the pod. I think this is a really good trade for both teams. I think Josh is a tremendous player. I think he's probably a better player than Seth is, but when you take team fit into the into account, you take into account that Josh is on an expiring contract. He's really not going to stick around in Philly. It makes a lot of sense to trade him for a shooter who opens things up. The Sixers offense just really was not geared towards Richardson's success, and I think in Dallas next to Luka, he's going to do a lot better. Uh, but as far as Curry goes, obviously, like you said, one of the best shooters in basketball. And it goes with the name at this point. Um, a much better ball handler, I think, than J.J. was, he, even if he's a shade 
below JJ in terms of just shot diversity. I think he makes up for that with the ability to kind of create for others, create out of that pick and roll like you mentioned earlier. I think he brings more upside there. Only played 25 minutes a night for Dallas. I think that number is going to go up quite a bit in Philly. I think he's going to be a starter, a full-time starter, and he's going to probably take a lot more shots. Because even though Doc Rivers is not Brett Brown, we have seen with consistent success Joel Embiid and a shooter running two-man actions. We, we know that it works. We know that it makes life a whole lot easier for Joel. It gets him easy looks. It makes it to where he doesn't have to wrestle a bear every time the Sixers try to score in the half court. And Curry can, can pass the ball and, and help set up Joe in those situations. So I think we're going to see a lot of similar two-man actions that we saw with, with J.J. when he was here. Doc Rivers used to coach J.J. He's also familiar with Curry. So he, he knows these this archetype of player. He's very comfortable with it. So I, I think there's a lot to like. Uh, I I do think... He fixes a lot of the spacing issues that Philly had last year. Obviously, getting rid of Al alone did that with Danny Green, who himself is a good shooter. But you take out Josh, you had one of the best shooters in the league. You have three bona fide floor spacers around Joe and Ben in that starting five. You got Shake again coming off the bench. Furkan, who will probably be getting a few minutes here and there next season. There's a pretty decent amount of shooting on this roster now, which just wasn't the case last season. And we we know that's how you build a winner around Joel and Ben. So credit to Daryl and Elton and the front office for for getting this done. Yeah. So I obviously think it was a good deal too. Like you said, it improves both teams. Dallas gets a legit two-way player on the perimeter because they really didn't have that outside of Dorian Finney Smith, who's a more of a stretch four at this point. Um, Philly gets the floor spacer that they desperately needed. High volume, high percentage. He's he can ball handle a little bit. I actually saw him in person uh, the uh, Blue Coats inaugural season back when they were the eighty seveners, and he was on the Erie BayHawks. I think he scored like twenty five or twenty nine. It was him and Peyton Siva on the uh, Erie BayHawks. Not the point here though. Um, the point is, is that he can shoot the ball. He's going to shoot the ball a lot. And Doc Rivers has been good with high volume three point shooters in the past. You've seen it with guys like, uh, Landry Shamet and of course, JJ Redick, two former Sixers. So I, I, I think he'll be fine just using, and obviously a guy like Ray Allen, obviously not putting Seth on that, uh, pedestal, but you know, same, uh, high-volume three-point shooter. That being said, you know, I don't know if he's quite the next J.J. Redick, but I could definitely see, like Chris said, him playing uh, some two-man games with Joel, that's for sure. Uh, Will Josh be missed? I think Danny Green and uh, Terrence Ferguson's defense will kind of offset Richardson's, you know, uh, defense and then three-point shooting. He didn't do it too well last year. Um, same thing with shot creation. And, you know, I think it's going to be fine with that. I mean, I, I think Josh was good for what mm-hmm. he could do, but this team wasn't suited to accent his skills the best. So I think he's going to a much better situation. Yeah, I think I think in terms of Seth being the next J.J., I, he's not the same player. Like I think mm-hmm. J.J. is just in the universe of his own when it comes to, like, off-balance 
running around the screens at full speed and just like mm-hmm. hitting these wild shots that no one in their right mind would take. But mm-hmm. Curry will warp defenses in a similar way. He will prevent people from doubling off of him. He will be able to run those two-man actions, like we said, with Joel and with Ben and with Tobias. So he he will fill a lot of the holes that J.J. left, even if he's not the same player. And will Josh be missed? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he was an important voice in the locker room. I think he was a tremendous defender, as we saw in the Celtic series, even though Philly lost quite uh, spectacularly. He, he was really good in that series on the defensive end, covering Tatum, really the only guy who gave Tatum any trouble at all. So... I I think Josh would have fit a lot better without Al clogging up all the rotations. I think Danny Green and Josh and Tobias, I I think that would have worked just fine. But for what Philly needs, Curry is a better fit. Even if Josh is a better talent, I I think the Sixers are going to get more out of Seth. He's going to benefit the other players around him more than Josh would. And like I said, I I think Richardson is exactly what Dallas needs. They needed some toughness on the perimeter, another high level wing defender. And in Dallas, where he's not going to be forced to create off the dribble and try to play make for others, which is just not Joss's game. It's what the Sixers tried to make him do last season because they didn't have anyone else. But he's not going to have to do that in Dallas with Luka. And I I think he's going to look a lot better there. And uh, frankly, I think Seth is going to look even better in Philly, where he's just going to have more reps in a a bigger role. So, again, I think this is a mutually beneficial trade for both sides. And I, I'm I, I wish Josh the best because he he's he's a he's a high character dude and he was he was fun to cheer for even if he had his his lumps um, last season so I I do think he'll be missed. Yeah, for sure. So Chris, you want to go ahead and talk about the the promise that was kept? So the NBA's worst kept secret was that the Sixers had promised Isaiah Joe. Similarly to last season when everyone knew it was Matisse Thibel and Boston Boston particularly knew. But they did convert on that promise. Joe was the 49th overall pick. One of the best shooters in the draft period. Attempted over 10 threes a game in his sophomore season at Arkansas. Only hit at about a 34-35% clip. But he shot over 40% on 9 attempts a game as a freshman. So we know that he is... A, a high-volume shooter, and B, an efficient shooter. Um, A lot of injury concerns. That's why he dropped to 49. But, frankly, he was 26 on my board, and that was a general board. It wasn't even a Sixers-specific board. He's just... Shooting is so valuable in the modern NBA, and Joe could very well outshoot everyone on the board. So I, I think that's a remarkably strong value at 49. I think if he can stay on the floor, he's going to contribute. I don't know if he'll contribute next season. 49th picks rarely do, but I definitely think he's someone who's going to stick around in this program because, as we say, every podcast episode and every article, the Sixers need shooting, and now they're finally adding some shooting, which, you know, thank God for Daryl Morey um, mm-hmm. because that's that they're doing it. So, what were your thoughts on the pick, Lucas? What do you think he brings to the table? And what do you think his ceiling is? So, like you said, three-point shooting is the main thing. Um, 
I don't know. I honestly haven't done enough research on him whether or not I can say for certain he's going to be a great, a good NBA defender. But you know, at the end of the day, like you said, all Sixers really need is three point shooting. He brings that. Health obviously has been a concern with him, but I like that, and I like. I think his ceiling is a rotational player. I don't see him a starter, but I can see him coming coming in in the second unit. I think that's kind of what he brings right now. I don't. Uh, I don't see him on a two-way contract like they did with Mario Shayok last year, who was drafted 54th. I think he's going to be kind of like, I think he's going to start out at the end of the bench, like 14th, 15th guy. He probably will see time with the Blue Coats in the G League, but I don't see him on a two-way contract. I see him as a part of the regular roster. Yeah, I think it's fair to assume at this point that the narrative with Joe is that he was originally going to put his name, pull his name out of the draft and go back to Arkansas. And then by all indications, he got a promise from Philly. And that's why he put his name back in. I think we can safely assume that at this point. So clearly this has been brewing for a while. And he's someone that Philly has had their eyes on since well before Maury got here. So I, I do think given that, we can probably say that he'll have a higher priority. He'll be he'll be a higher priority than Muriel Shayok, who frankly I, I don't think was a very good prospect last summer, and he still doesn't seem like a very good prospect now. He did well in the G League, but uh, he just doesn't. He's already like 25, and I, I just don't think he's going anywhere. So I do, I do think Joe is going to have a spot on the roster. I don't know if he'll get playing time next year. All he really does is shoot. He's a bit frail. He's not much of a defender yet, though I think he can grow into a better one. He's not going to do a ton else other than just sit there, spot up, and, and jack threes. But that's really what Philly needs, and there's a lot of value in that. So I think in time he's going to be a really solid piece of the rotation. I, I think he has that upside. So, I, I, again, I think this is just a ridiculously strong value at 49. So, as you said, Chris, you gave us the update earlier that the Sixers selected Paul Reed uh, 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 with the 59th pick. So, Reed is a power forward. He's roughly about 6'9", and he he played three seasons at, and I had to double-check this, he played three seasons at DePaul. DePaul, thank you. Big East most improved player. This past season, he averaged 15 and 10 with the two, I believe, what, yes, two and a half blocks per game. Yes, two and a, half, a little over two and a half blocks per game and almost two steals per game. So, obviously, he's a strong def- – I mean, just based off the stats alone, obviously, I haven't, I haven't done a lot of research on him. I was hoping the Sixers would take Kenya Martin Jr. with that pick, but Paul Reed's not a bad option. Upperclassman. Just like Shayok was, I think they're probably going to use their second two-way contract on him. And uh, well, hold up, is Brian Ryan Brokoff still on the roster, or is he gone now because the hardships expired? I I, I don't think he's still on, but he could resign. I, I think it was just a one-year deal, but okay, he's well, not necessarily gone forever. Uh, who knows? I, I, well, I think now that Brett Brown's gone, I think the Australian connections will start to dwindle a little bit. Fair to say there. Um, that being said, I, 
I, I don't mind the pick. It's a big guy, defensive. I don't really see him as a center at 6'9", especially, but who knows. Um, like I said, I don't know too much about him because he was not on my radar. I thought he would have been picked in like the 40s, to be honest, and I didn't think the Sixers had a shot at him. So, Chris, oh, well, one other thing. He can space the four a little bit. His sophomore season, he, had, he shot, attempted one three per game and shot 40%, but this past season, he averaged almost two attempts per game and shot at about 30%. So, Chris, your thoughts on Paul Reed? Yeah, I, I think he's a really strong pick there. Um, a bit of a project. Not someone who's going to contribute right away, as you said. But a really intriguing athlete at 6'9", like you said, has some pretty great metrics on defense. A lot of potential versatility, shot blocking, deflection, stuff like that. Um not going to do, again, a ton offensively right away. He's not a great shooter. He's not a great decision maker. But just running the floor, taking advantage of those athletic skills. With the 58th pick, you're really just throwing darts with a blindfold on. So, yeah, I mean, it's totally worth betting on an upside player like that. I think Paul was probably a top 40, 45 guy for me. So, I had him valued much higher than the very end of the second round. And the Sixers are going to need some some front court depth with Al Horford no longer on the roster. I don't think Reed's going to fill that anytime soon, but just thinking long term, you, you need to think about balancing this roster out. So I, I do think it was a strong pick. And overall, I think this was just a really good, really, really good day for the Sixers overall. Really not a lot to complain about, not a lot to worry about. They got out of the draft about as cleanly as I you know, thought they could. They got out of these trades, these contracts, the Horford contract specifically, about as cleanly as I thought they could with a protected first-round pick. I mean, it's just been a really sweet day overall if you're a Philly fan. There's really not a ton to nitpick, not a ton to worry about. Things just seem to be trending in the right direction. I think Paul Reed is a perfect cherry on top of the Sunday, And I, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about on our regularly scheduled episode at the end of the week. <laughs> I don't know if you really explained it or not, but do you see uh, Reed as like a backup center or more of a stretch four or like a, well, just yeah, power forward? I, I think he's more in that three, four range, maybe some small ball five, probably more of a power forward though. Um, is he comparable yeah. to Jonah Bolden if Jonah Bolden actually, you know, got his act together? I don't know if I'd go with Bolden. I think Bolden was a bit broader, maybe just bigger. And Bolden had some like real playmaking upside out of UCLA and overseas. I, I don't really know what happened to Jonah. I really liked him as a prospect and thought he was a pretty smart and interesting player. That clearly was not the case as he did didn't know what to do when a basketball was put in his hands. But I, I think Reed is much more of a project, and we know he's a project. But with 58, I mean, again, you're there's not much is going to go right at 58. So you, you swing for the fences and hope it works out. And Reed, Reed is a really solid, like the metrics are good. The analytics were good. A lot of smart people really liked him. So I, I, I think it's a good pick for Philly. Yeah, no, definitely. So, 
I think, unless, Chris, did you want to add anything else? Because I think we're at the point where you could play us out if you wanted to, but I don't have anything else to add for this emergency. Well, not emergency, but this special edition podcast. Yeah, just a farewell to, to Josh Richardson and Al Horford, two people who are probably more hated by the fan base than they should be. Josh especially, I, I really don't understand the distaste toward him that a lot of people seem to have. He, he, it's probably just because he wasn't very fun to watch. But uh, farewell to him. It's all love, I'm sure, from many of, many of us. Uh, Al and, and to, you know... Uh, Anna Horford had some tweets today that oh I yes, know I saw them. Upset, you know. I will say this: I think she gets an unbelievable amount of crap from some just losers on the internet who need to shut up. She does. Like, her and, her I understand and that. Sister. Yeah, like, look, I I understand that her she maybe was not the most inviting to Philly fans, but at the same time, like, some of you guys just need to calm down. She she had every right to still like enjoy Boston fans. Al was pretty big there, and they were very nice to Al. <laughs> we we to, in her defense, Philly fans were not very forgiving to 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 Al last season. So that chapter is behind us, though. I think we're all happy about that. And yeah, a new era, the Daryl Morey era, is officially underway. So much has changed in such a short period of time. It's hard to find the words, but I, I think it's it's very exciting. I I think so too. And honestly, I think Daryl Morey getting Tyrese Maxey might end. Up, like I'm I'm getting too hyped in my head about it because like I'm like oh he's going to be like our point guard of the future or shoot you know whatever of the future. Mm-hmm. I I'm trying not to be like that, but. If Daryl Morey puts a sample of approval on this kid and he dropped to us that, that you know, he dropped to us and Daryl Morey's like, let's get him over, a, you know, like a sharpshooter like Tyrell Terry. You got to feel good about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I mean, I don't I don't know how this draft would have gone under Elton. I, I, I frankly, it probably would have gone a very similar direction because I, I don't think. Daryl was necessarily the guy pulling every trigger for obviously he was on the trades but as far as draft night like pretty much everyone else in the front office has been preparing for this much longer than he has Mm -hmm. he got to Philly a couple weeks ago before he got here Houston didn't have a pick you know Vince Rosman Elton Prosper Karangwa even got here before him all those guys were were in the room talking these picks over before Daryl got here so obviously Maury had input but we knew about Isaiah Joe being in the general vicinity of the Sixers for much longer than, than Daryl was here. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's a very good chance that Maxi wasn't like just the Daryl Morey prospect. But it is very clear that there's a more competent leadership structure in place mm-hmm. than was here last season. Uh, peace out to Alex Rucker. Yeah. yeah, I don't have much. Yeah. I don't have much else to say. I, yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty happy. I'm satisfied. It's been a good, yeah. good day. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't wait for everybody to be surprised about how good Tyrese. I'm sorry. I'm becoming. I'm letting my yeah. fandom take over right now. I, I just feel I got a good feeling Tyrese about Maxie him. He is the next James Harden. 
Why even trade that's, for James Harden when you have Tyrese Maxey? Uh, don't don't say that because that's how I'm feeling. But I don't want to say it because I'm not ready to say that. But that's how I'm feeling. <laughs> no, no, no. He's probably he's probably not. But like I, I, I like we both said, we both both believe he has all all star potential. Yeah, and I, and I, if he can again, tap into that. Yeah, I, I I do think he has a very high ceiling. I think. I don't know if he's going to reach it again. I I don't want to project mm-hmm. that far, but I I do think he's going to be a valuable contributor, and mm-hmm. I think he fits a lot better than some people are giving him credit for. I think writing him off as another guard who can't shoot is just silly because he he can shoot. Obviously, he wasn't a great shooter. He's still not a great shooter, but the form looks good. He's very confident. I I, I don't think it's a problem if he comes in next season and he's shooting 15% from deep, then we can have a conversation about it. But I just don't see that being the case. Now, this is Philly, and weirder things have happened, but I think the jumper's fine. And he does so much in so many other places that I, I do think he's going he's gonna to play minutes next year. I, I, I truthfully believe that. So we'll, we'll see where, where it goes. But Him and Jake Miller are going to make a fun tandem off the bench. Yeah, I, I definitely think Maxi is, is a Doc Rivers kind of player. And with Seth and Ben, uh, I do think Shake not needing to do as much as he had to do last season is going to be a positive for him, especially in terms of just ball handling. I think Shake's going to be in a much more comfortable position. So a lot of things are looking up. One last note. We still got stuck with one of Doc Rivers' sons, Seth Curry's Doc Rivers' son. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. There's the red flag. <laughs> um, that That is a fair point. Hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I saw, I think, was it Keith that or, or <laughs> Pompey tweeting that? I don't know. I saw it earlier, and I just thought of it now. But, yeah. Well, yeah. hey, you can't I'm win sure every you're, battle. Yeah, well, I'm sure if Uriah was here, he would definitely chime in on that yeah. point. But. Hey, you know, at least he's not Austin Rivers. There, you know there's, what? There's That's tears true. of concern in terms of the lineup with family relations, and, and mm-hmm. Austin Rivers would have been like, you know, like red alert sirens mm-hmm. blaring. Seth Curry's more like a push notification on your phone. Yeah. I think we'll be okay. I think yeah, we'll be okay. Gen, gen, like, genuinely speaking, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Seth, it obviously made basketball sense. This is not like some nepotism at work thing. No, so, definitely not at all. I, I think we're good. Okay, Chris, well, you want to play us out? Yeah. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our special midweek podcast episode wrapping up the NBA draft on this Wednesday night. We are coming to you live very late. It is right now, I think, 1230 a.m. Eastern time. So I guess it's the 19th now, but this will probably get posted sometime in the next day or so. So whenever you are listening in the future, we really do appreciate it. And we will be back with our regularly scheduled programming uh, next week. We'll stay right on course. And we'll have, I'm sure, much more to say about the new players on the team, the new rookies, and what's next with this organization. So thank you, everyone, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.